When we heard that two of our favourite people had got together and made an album, we just had to organise a walk with them. The musician and actor Johnny Flynn and the writer Robert McFarlane have spent the lockdown creating an album called Lost in the Cedarwood. And on a hot, hot day, we've come to the outskirts of Cambridge, to the Wandlebury Country Park, and we're going to go on a walk with these two and learn more about their relationship and about the music that they've created together. Three, four. There's a black dog following hard on my tree. These old bag bones are seven times home. Oh, I'm ten degrees strange. I'm trying to change, trying to shake up my shadow. Still hoping to stay out of the black dog's rage. So I run, cause I must leave that dog in the dust. Gonna run. Like the river, right down to the sea. Gonna run like the sap through the heart of a tree. I run, cause I must leave that dog in the dust. Robert and Johnny, good morning. Hello. Hello, thank Good you morning. very much for joining us for Folk on Foot. Uh, second time for you, Johnny, obviously, but the first time for you, Robert. Uh, where have you brought us to? So we're at uh, Wonderbury Hill Fort. It's an Iron Age hill fort. Just off to our left is the, the ditch, and that was cut about 400 BC. So this was a huge encampment, defensive encampment in that period. It's the Iceni, the tribes of, mm. Platonic tribes of the east of Boudicca and Boatseer yeah. and everything. So this was one of the strongholds. And we're, we're sort of walking along its rim, and then history has come along and laid and laid and laid on top of itself. South Cambridge, Gog Magog Hills. There's sort of the Himalayas of Cambridge like this. <laughs> but uh, this is about as high as it gets around here. Oh, you were the pebble, and I was the ripple. Oh, you were the puzzle, and I was the riddle. Lost in the middle We took signs for wonders And some of the meteors In winter the thunder The trees split asunder And what's the route that you're going to take us on, Robert? I think we're going to walk to where This encampment bridges onto a Roman road That was probably a Neolithic Almost certainly a Neolithic trackway But this is the Romans built a road here from South Cambridge all the way to Colchester, and there's an arrow straight section of it that we'll, we'll end up on. 
And this is a pretty gentle walk by your standards, <laughs> I take it. <laughs> well, clear, clear, You've clear. caught him having satiated his mountain uh, <laughs> desires last week. That uh, is did true. you do that last week? I was in the Southern Highlands in Scotland uh, climbing with my, with my son, yeah, Tom. Uh, it was magic, yeah. So we got, we got up some big hills together for the first time. And I just spammed Johnny with photos. <laughs> it was really <laughs> nice. I was stuck in a quarantine in London and getting these pictures of Rob on, on top of the world. Oh. <laughs> very, yeah, I was very happy for him. Wherever we wander Stormbound on high ground, a jack of the head, a wreck on the beach. Still trying to stay out of the black dog's reach. On some days I long for the grace of an end. I'm up the river, dry out its bed. Bury me there, body and head. Far from the black dog song. So I run, cause I must leave that dog in the dust. Gonna run like the river, right down to the sea. Gonna run like the sand through the heart of a tree. I run cause I must see that dog in the dust. I want to learn a little bit about how you came into each other's consciousness really um, and I think we've heard a bit about this in the episode of Folk on Foot that Johnny did oh, yeah. but Robert I wanted to know how Johnny's music first came to your attention. Yeah well I had a friend called Henry and he made me mix CDs he made me more than a hundred mix CDs over about 10 years and he really shaped my music tastes in that decade sort of my 20s into my 30s and on one of them was this song by a man called Johnny Flynn and it was called uh, Ghost of O'Donoghue. I just remember listening to it and hearing these opening and it just I felt this kind of shiver and stillness go through me and then this incredible strange song and thought you know who's the ghost who's O'Donoghue what, what do these <laughs> words mean? Um, do you know? I know I've got no idea Johnny I'm hoping you might tell me today but uh, um, and then it became such a, a core song for me, deep in my soul, and I would sing it in my head in the mountains, almost at one point to a problematic degree when I fell in a crevasse in the Swiss Alps not long after I'd stopped humming it. Um, but anyway, and I got it. it became the ghost of Rolton. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, exactly. My, my, Johnny, will you write my epitaph song? Is that, is that, is that too heavy a question for a sunny day? Uh, <laughs> I, yeah. So it really made a big impression on you. Just huge, um, and uh, it still does. I mean, I, I can't get enough of it, really. I still listen to it and find new things in it, and it sits with me always and always will. And when I was walking, I was walking this book called The Old Ways, which actually begins here, leaving my home, walking the footpath that leads to the Roman road that leads to the Icknield Way, it's a Neolithic trackway. Mm -hmm. and. Um, Sorry, see Johnny's got his guitar with him. Johnny's fascinated by spiders. Or... I'm still here. Yeah. No, there's some insect that I think it's gone now. I'm trying it's to gone. get down my shirt. Let me have a check. 
Thanks, yeah, all clear. Um, yeah, you know, you've got this jukebox in your brain when you're walking, don't you? And you stick a dime in the brain jukebox and out comes, <laughs> you know, in my case, almost entirely Johnny Flynn's songs. <laughs> oh. Johnny, you wouldn't care to sing the song for us, would you? Oh, I'd love to sing it. Oh, um, that would be brilliant. I love that it's that song, by the way, that sort of introduced me to you because I love that song as well. And actually, B, my wife, that's one of her favourite oh, songs. Wow. But it wasn't on an album, it was just a sort of... I had to write a B-side for the first few singles that we put out for our first album. And who is the ghost? We'd been on, on one of our first tours, I think, supporting Iron and Wine in Ireland. And I'd gone to the National Gallery in, in Dublin and seen a painting called The Ghost of O'Donoghue. And it was of a, I think there's a lake. Anyway, there's a local myth, which I've forgotten, about a ghost that visits this lake and somebody having a visitation. It was going to Ireland for the first time on that tour, actually, that was quite a precious thing for me because it's where my father's family came from. It's hard to talk about what, it, what, what it's about because it's really of that place and time mm. and something of the mystery of me meeting that culture for the first time. The counterpoint to Rob's story is that I discovered his books, hadn't met him yet, and was reading these books and being inspired to write songs. I suppose the seeds of our shared ideas and ways of expressing things were there mm. before being so aware of each other. And then, well, for me, I swear much more than for Rob, his work was giving a form and channeling my ideas and, and giving me confidence to write the sort of songs that I wanted to write. So it was really, really powerful for me. And then these books arrived. I was doing a play at the Globe <laughs> Theatre and a, f a mutual friend of ours who was an ex-student of Rob's delivered me a package of books and there was a lovely letter and inscription in each book from Rob and he'd so generously kind of wanted to reach out and I was like, well, I've got all these books today. <laughs> but it was so nice to get the letter and then, and then find each other and connect. Mm. And yeah. I'm so excited about this. <laughs> have, you, have you ever heard this song in, in the open air? Not in, never in the open air. No. I love the fact that we've got like a grasshopper or orchestra stridulating away, probably 10,000 in this immense meadow behind us. They sound like a, a, an overcharged uh, electric fence, don't they? It's yeah, they like... do. <laughs> the days you know where you'll be you won't know what you see roots might change so all that remains is a bowl from place to place we left our homes in the spring sunshine things came alive when I knew they weren't mine falling in line didn't matter These are the days you know where you'll be. You won't know what you'll see. Roots might change, so all that remains is a bowl 
from place to place Islands found fold lines to run through the heart Heart of the land beat with odd fits and starts So they ran round the elders in grey of the hills To let the old die without power or These are the days, you know where you'll be, you won't know what you'll see, your roots might change, so all that remains is a pool from place to place. Dublin to Cork, though you've never heard told, it's a line of good men with eyes wet and cold, where they weep for the crows, bearing for the nest, changing the shape of the trees they love best. This is the calendar, these are the days, you know where you'll be, you won't know what you'll see, the roots might change, so all that remains is a pole from place to place. Ghost of O'Donoghue, scared not the lad Desert respect, lost the smile he'd worn glad Sat quite chief and forlorn and pitched with the spectre Escaped all exhaustions and prayers from the rector And with glance, dancing devout, pulled the frown Hold on <laughs> And with glancing devout, pulled the frown from his Sackwood with loads from the oven and from the rack. This is the calendar. These are the days. You know where you'll be. You won't know what you see. Roots might change. So all that remains is a boat from place to place. In the last day my life Oh, I won't know whether to love In the last days of my life Oh, I won't know to laugh or cry In the last days of my life Oh, I won't know Whether to laugh or So we might walk back down that way and then sort of cut along that way into some slightly more open ground and then we'll be, there's an, there's an amazing tree that I just love, it's this huge home oak. You like home oaks, mm. don't you Johnny? Definitely. So we could go there, that might yeah. be a good place for a song. That would be like lovely. A, yeah. yeah.
I'm interested in what the experience of going for a walk with you is like, Robert, because, um, you know... <laughs> Very <wanted> boring, to... <laughs> but as you're discovering. No, no, I've always wanted to do it because I, I kind of assume that you are, you know, when you're not chatting to me and, and Johnny and, and so on, but that you are quite attuned to your surroundings and that you're paying a lot of attention to them. Is, is that right? I don't know. I, I guess so. I, I sort of... A few people sort of say, oh, it would be really nice to go for a walk with, with you or, you know, with Rob McFarlane. I just think, God, they're going to be so disappointed. It's not, you know, I don't enter this <laughs> no, extrasensory perception mode or anything. I mean, I am, this is a place I know really well, but I'm fascinated by the, you know, we've got scabious down here, this gorgeous um, pur purple-pink flower that, that lingers long into winter, actually. It's often the, the last of the chalk flora. And you this is of... what happens, you see. The, you, he, he does the thing that some people do really annoyingly in the most <laughs> generous and graceful way. Oh, no, like, on your no, left. So, <laughs> so, that's why I love it. Yeah, you... no, we're going to learn something here. Yeah, anyway, as you were. Well, I think it's risky being like the tour guide because, first of all, I don't know the names of everything at all. Um, there's a famous, I think David Gessner writes this essay called Sick of Nature, and it begins something like, I'm sick of being the guy who, whenever anyone finds an animal turd on the path, they turn to you <laughs> and say, what's, the, what, what's this turd from then? <laughs> but no, I, just, I, mean, I really am a, a rank amateur at trees, at flowers, at, at creatures. I just love natural history. And above all, I love landscape, because to me, that is one of the great compound nouns. It's a collective noun. It, it carries human presence, more than human presence. It, it works in layers and many voices. You know, when you're in landscape you are in it it's not a scene set it's not mm. something you skim along the surface of it is a, a medium and somewhere like this just exaggerates that because it's so layered it's you know got godolphin stables from the 18th century and we've got iron age hill forts and roman roads and neolithic trackways and it's just it's so intense but every landscape is like that and no landscape should be spoken by a single voice my feeling of it is having walked with you a bit it makes your being in the landscape so much more active. You know, when you know what tree you're looking at, your concern for everything goes up and then your excitement, it's this engagement that makes being in, in natural landscapes so much more fun. I found myself on film sets where I used to get so bored kind of hanging around waiting for, for shots, but it's quite rare to be even on a set and not be able to see a tree out the window or, or deep in the woods waiting for something to be set up and I'm looking around going oh god yeah okay I don't need to worry about how I'm going to pass this next hour while they set up a light or something I'm I'm looking at these trees and we've always said that all they are. walking is a, a fantastic time to talk yeah. as well because yeah. um, you're you've got endless time and also you walk side by side with people Absolutely. so you're not kind of confronting them eye to eye as you would be in a studio maybe or whatever, and so you tend to have a more intimate conversation. But Sam Lee said to me, he said, also, you should shut up and listen. <laughs> you know, because there are sounds to be heard in nature that, that you're missing if you're rabbiting on. But do you find it a, a, a time when you'd rather be alone, Robert, or would you rather be with somebody when you're walking? These days, I just would always rather be with somebody. Like, my favorite path is one that's wide enough for two people. It's lovely silver birches here, by the way, just, I call them the watching tree. Uh, well, you see the eyes, basically. They've got eyes, birches. Their eyes, it's uh, like steps going up, actually, aren't they? But their eyes in the bark. In the bark, yeah, yeah. these very dark eyes, sort of slightly sad eyes. The eyebrows sort of fall either side of it. Some of them are where branches 
were and have, have gone and others are just sort of natural artifacts of the the splitting of the of the silver or in fact it's really white but but i just whenever i'm with birch trees it's like you remember that the world is watching you as well as you watching watching the world but also being out like when i got to the top of these mountains with tom i i didn't you know perorate i, just, I was just like wow this is cool. <laughs> I'm on a hilltop with my son. How, how, how good is that? Like sometimes language, you don't, you know, as Sam says, you, you don't need to say much. No. And what about the experience for you, Johnny, of, of being out walking? Does it yeah. provoke creativity and thought? Totally, yeah. I think the first big walk that I went on, I realised quite how powerful that sort of launch pad of feeling and thought could be was walking on my own, I think I told you last time we were walking together uh, about walking the Camino to Santiago and being on my own and kind of getting getting scared sometimes and then realising that your footfall, the pace that you're at can bring your your mind to that pace and suddenly, you know, we live such overstimulated lives and, you know, you could be at the pace of the spider's web and, you know, the glistening dewdrop and just feel that yeah being kind of content with that is, is such a wonderful place to be um, so i want to now ask you about the album that you've made together mm. and how it began how, how did the the seeds of the idea first start johnny it's just always been the feeling that we wanted to kind of make things together and um the tidal wave of the pandemic was coming towards us and we everything was starting to shut down and our live stuff was disappearing your talks and tours and uh, yeah. events and things and my gigs and tv and film and theater commitments were all just being kind of shut down you called me early on very like or we yeah we weren't even in lockdown perhaps at that point it was or maybe it was like just, just mid-march or, or yeah, day, a few was, days before a few days after <clears> the yeah lockdown. just as we were sort of realizing it was getting you know weird well it was a wild time wasn't it we were all flailing around for any any purchase anything stomach flipping horror at, at what was vanishing and what was arriving in terms of this new world and so i think i just said everything's gone why don't we try and make something in that space that's just appeared and, and sort of hold the the shadows and the fears at bay a little bit so it, was, it began very modestly just like maybe a song yeah, maybe two songs. And then at the end of the first phone call, I think it was, I said, well, you know, maybe it'll become something bigger. There's, you know, maybe this, it could be part of a bigger or an older story. And we were sort of scratching our heads about what that might be. And I had the Epic of Gilgamesh just behind me because I'd written about it in Underland, the beginning of Underland, because it, it's the oldest written story in world literature. And it, it, it contains in one of its variant tablets a, a, a journey to the underworld. And I'd just completed this book under that. And I sort of said, just tossed it off at the end. I was like, oh, well, there's, there's, there's always, always Gilgamesh. Gilgamesh. <laughs> <laughs> like you do. <laughs> Johnny's ears pricked up. Um, oh, this is the home, mate. Here it is. I just so, I actually feel incredibly excited about bringing you here and about, because it is this immense home oak and it has a, such a clear border or threshold or sort of. Yeah, you're you, entering. The, you enter. You're entering the oak. And yeah. the idea of like going in there with you, Johnny, and, uh, and Matthew, and, and, and hearing music being performed there is just so perfect. You, you'll see when you get in that it, it sort of has multiple trunks. It's kind of, it's shut up here and shut up there, and it's 
There's no continuity with homeworks, is there? Like in terms of what they end up, you can sort of imagine the archetypal oak or ash or whatever, but homeworks always just, this one's allowed to just be wide and its own thing. Let's go in. Crossing the threshold <laughs> and it gives us blessed shade as well. That's the other thing. Um, On a day like today where the temperature is so high, I mean, temperature records are being broken, aren't they at the moment in the UK? Yeah, um, Northern Ireland. So, and look at these different trunks. Yeah. So, Rob, what are these turds? No, I'm joking, I'm joking. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we are surrounded by turds. Oh, these are the lesser spotted uh, yeah. Siberian grey owl. Um, <laughs> uh, so, there's a horse chestnut, which sort of lives in the lee and the shelter of the home oak as well. And then the home oak here, sort of, we can see there's sort of four huge trunks that have come up. And underneath this, there'll be all this, the mycorrhizal network, the fungal wood, wood wide web, as it's called, is busy sort of connecting the chestnut to the home oak. And, um, and Johnny is right, there are many, many turds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can tell you that they belong to the highland cattle that, that, that graze yeah, this, look, yeah. graze this oh, land. Nah. Does that seem about they right? They Cow don't pass. look like rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> we grow big rabbits around here. Not in Kansas anymore. Yeah. So would you sing us one of the songs from the album? Yeah, I will. Which one, what's the, what's the good one? What have we teed up with the turds? <laughs> with the turds. I, feel like, I feel like in a way like Enkidu is sort of, is, 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 is present. Okay. Wasn't that the first one? That's the first one, first one we, wrote. we wrote. Yeah. Um, what happens in that first episode where Enkidu is sort of birthed into the civilized world, the veil is ripped from his animal sight and he's brought to meet Gilgamesh by Shamat, this, a holy woman in the story. And he walks for you know many days to the the town of Uruk. Is that Uruk? And you feel in that description of the walk away from the woods where he's been living with the creatures, he's becoming a sort of a humanoid you know figure, and it's this kind of coming out of his naivety. We should also say that part of Enkidu's civilizing process is that he lies. <laughs> I was leaving he, this to you. Okay. He lies with uh, Shamhat, this very strong kind of female presence uh, in the story, for seven days and seven nights, and um, he, he has what has been described as the longest erection in the history of literature, so he... <laughs> It, it, yeah, it goes. It's an important this is, thing to know about. This is pre-Viagra, and, and, and longest in in terms of days and nights. Oh, sorry, as yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not in terms of size. <laughs> I, no comment. Um, yeah, well, it definitely duration. So, and, and I think the, the I knew other, the homo reminded me. Of something. <laughs> I think the other is not specified in the original. <laughs> Oh my friend, oh my friend Ain't you walk away 
darkness, the storm clouds are gathering, I'm nearing your proud city, I can hear the foxes calls now, the beast at my heart and they won't give it back to me, oh friend, oh my friend, oh my friend. symmetry and echo death I have a drum beating grief and all falsehoods to test I have a path through the cedar wood I hear humbabas roar I have a dream I have a dream plucked in feathers to fall through the earth on the hillsides and fires in the wood the birds at my heart and they won't give it back to me oh friend oh my friend oh my friend That's incredibly powerful, wow. really wow. powerful stuff. And, and the, the guitar gives it such power. And in, in this setting, it feels absolutely perfect, doesn't it? Yeah, it's so fun playing. You know, it's just having a reason to, to... I mean, for me, I think this is where I've been... An aspect of my being has been so sort of confused and sad because I live in that space where I'm sharing songs and we, we were at this amazing wedding of our friend Cosmo on the weekend Cosmo, Cosmo Sheldrake. Sheldrake yes and star of the Folk on Foot podcast yeah <laughs> well there was live you know the, all of Cosmo's friends are musicians and, and there was I mean it was music basically it was music and for I was, 48 hours I was kind of trembling with the excitement of encountering music again live in that live space rather than just sort of in my ears you know in, mm. in my headphones so it was the most you know obviously we, we adore Cosmo and Flora, and it, it, the wedding was in the house where we where we recorded the the first eight songs, or we got together and kind of recorded the bones of the album. And Cosmo and his brother Merlin, well, and Flora, all feature on on the album with with Rob. As well. That's an amazing place. That's the house we went to when we walked with Cosmo for oh, the did? podcast. Yeah, yes, you went down to Bulls 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 Wood. Yeah. In, uh, so that's where we were. And yeah. Were you there as well, Robert? Yeah. I, I was there as well, yeah. There must be these people wandering along the paths a few hundred metres away. And they're like, oh my God, 
free Johnny Flynn concert. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't say that on the entry ticket. <laughs> it is strange with performing with me, like because I, I was very shy when people asked me to sing on the weekend because I just, it's always it's always one step forward, two steps back, and I have to get into the mode and kind yeah. of build up because I, I I always feel too too fragile basically, mm. and then I have to build up build my exoskeleton and then. And then do it. Live in that for a while, and when when it's been a long time of doing it, and it's fine. But yeah, I'm just I'm just re reweaving myself. <laughs> feel a bit uh, exposed. Yeah, I mean I love it, but also I'm like, oh god, this is weird. Why do, why do I do this? But then uh, I love I, it's good for me. You know. I've said it to you before. Like I always come away from spending time with Johnny. I feel like I've I've like gone to uh, one of those tanning salons, except that the irra the irradiation is like. A goodness light, like you come away, you just feel so much calmer and happier, and it's it's very special the aura that Johnny has. But what's fascinating, another fascinating thing is that when I see him perform live with the band, or you know, he steps up on stage, and suddenly it's like it's another Johnny. It's the ex, I don't know, the ex skills or the weaving stuff, and you're just in such control of the room, and you just the force coming off you is like a, it's another aura altogether and it's amazing what it does to people who are listening to you uh, i've seen it it's, it's just i mean i really you know when you can perform the album it's going to be we will have waited a long time i'm looking forward so to special. it yeah Ooh. and that cottage in the woods was that did that have an impact on the way the record sounds absolutely huge totally yeah, windows open. And it's called Lost in the Cedarwood, but, and you were recording it in a wood. Yeah, and there's pine yeah. forestry on one, so just right there, and as you come along the drive, there's huge pine forest, these giant trees on your left that are quite eerie. And then uh, <laughs> as we were getting going on these songs about the felling of this ancient cedarwood in the story of Gilgamesh, we could hear these chainsaws starting up and the crack of, t of, of these pine trees falling in the woods. And it was just, yeah. So that was an eerie synchrony, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, um, Robert, can you just sort of, I know this is probably ridiculous, but can you summarise the, the epic for us, just to give us a sort of yeah. sense of place? Because the, the felling of the cedar woods are crucial. It is crucial and, it, and astonishingly premonitory as well, or, or kind of permanently true, as it were, in that strange way of myth. Mm. But um, the story is really very simple. It's about a man, Gilgamesh's encounter with mortality. So he, he's, a, he's a proud, ruthless king, a poor governor ruling what would effectively have been one of the early sort of city-states on the banks of the, the great Mesopotamian rivers, the, the Tigris and the, the Euphrates. And then into his life comes Enkidu, the wild man who's taming, we've already spoken of, and uh, semi-taming. And they fall into a great friendship. It's a story about friendship. Oh, friend, oh, my friend. And, and so there is a sort of echo with the joy to me of, you know, of the friendship that's at the heart of the making of the album as well. But as we always say, neither, <laughs> neither of us is Enkidu and neither of us is Gilgamesh. You know, no but... Um, the Enkidu and Gilgamesh, I mean, they're like bad lads. They're like, it's kind of, they, they go to this sacred cedarwood and there they meet Humbaba, the spirit of the, of the sacred cedarwood. And really Humbaba to me represents all that is animist, all that protects and embodies what is magical and sacred about natural places, which really modernity is kind of systematically slaughtered as it turns nature into resource. And that's what happens in, in this 4,000 year old story. They strip Humbaba of his seven protective auras and when he's vulnerable, finally, this incredible god spirit, they kill him brutally. They cut his head off, blood's everywhere. And the gods then punish Gilgamesh and Enkidu. And they do it by killing Enkidu. Enkidu dies. And Gilgamesh can't believe that he's dead until a 
this extraordinary detail, a maggot crawls out of his nose. And at that point, Gilgamesh has seen mortality. He has seen the deep. Uh, and then he goes off on this great grief-stricken journey, partly to get away from grief and partly to, to try and seek immortality again. And eventually he realizes that he can't find it. So it's the first great travel book. It's the first great piece of nature writing. It's an incredibly powerful uh, myth and story. This, the felling of the cedarwood, I just cannot get past the echoes it has. And the, I mean, we're, we're speaking as the protests in Fairy Creek on Vancouver Island enter something like their 400th day, gigantic, galvanizing, spasming protest uh, between uh, John Horgan, the, the, the premier of, of British Columbia, and, uh, and, the, and his wish to allow logging of 2,000 year old yellow cedars. The felling mm. of the cedarwood, mm. sacred cedarwood, is happening mm. now. And, and We're right on that, the forest brink, like the pivot point. And, and yet the, the oldest story in world, written story in world literature carries the warning, don't fuck with the forests. And, and we still can't hear it. Shall we carry on with our yeah, walk? Yeah, let's do that. Um, I think what we'll do is we'll go down this incredible beach avenue and then we'll turn, we'll turn right onto the Roman road and um, probably have, a, could have another song on the Roman road. Oh, look at this, it's just, isn't it fabulous? The bees are just feasting on it. And we just got buzzed by an absolutely immense dragonfly. What is this plant? I think this is the marjoram. So we're, we're on chalk. So we're, it's about 99 million years old, this bedrock. You see the flints and the chalk showing through everywhere white here. So this is, you know, as with all chalk, we're standing on the, the bed of a, of a fossilized, of a sea. So this was laid down by what I, I know is called by geologists called blizzard, which is this beautiful word for when the, the bodies of the coccolithophores, the kind of calcium and foraminiferae, the, these calcium-bearing microorganisms that live in the in these marine lived in these marine oceans, and they just fall like like snow for millions of years, and then compression happens and they become chalk, and if more compression happens, they become limestone and then marble, etc. But we're on the chalk, so but I love the fact that we're. It's astonishing to me that we're basically walking on top of a necropolis. Here's the beach avenue, by the way. Oh, lovely. Oh, wow. Look at that. that. Isn't that fantastic? That's oh. amazing. It just stretches away for, forever, doesn't it? Yeah, and you're in the Champs-Élysées. Once, at the very end of this, walking down here, I saw a huge white riderless horse pass by the very end really? of the... Of, you'll see it's like an aperture at the very end. And I ran to the end of the Beechwoods, and it's where it meets the Roman road. The Roman road runs perpendicular to this exit point. Ran to the far end as fast as I could, looked up and down the Roman road, nothing. No one, no, no horse with a rider, no riderless horse. And the Athona, the, the goddess who many of the stories around here are associated with, and, and the Roman stories often speak of white horses. So, Wow. I, wow. I'm you sure you saw the spirit. There's an augury. I have no idea. I always tell these stories because there's sort of four or five of them that I've had in my life. Please, please tell the story of the, the, the just recent, your recent the Wonderbury or the no um, the recent one. That, oh yeah, that's incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I messaged Johnny from the Highlands because I was walking with my father through a wood not unlike this one, a beech wood. Suddenly there was this kind of <laughs> getting louder. It's the sound of something coming through the leaves of a of a tall beech tree, boom, boom, boom. and then boom, this big soft thud as this object hit the steep side of the bank from which the beaches were growing. Rolled down, literally in at six inches, it had stopped rolling in front of our feet. And it was a tiny baby rabbit 
um, in its final seconds of life, a little bit of blood on it, curled up and, you know, looked up, nothing, no, no pine martin, no buzzard, couldn't see a thing, no idea where it came from. It had fallen from the sky to expire at our feet. And I messaged Johnny, I was like, if I was a Roman who believed in auguries, I'd probably better just, you know, kill myself now because that, <laughs> that's a really bad omen. That is not a good one. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, but I it's an it extraordinary for... thing, isn't it? Yeah, these strange... Well, you've... Have you experienced any like that, Johnny? Well, I'll tell you, the reason why my water bottle's currently insufficiently charged is because <laughs> I, I got to Finsbury Park Station early this morning and, and decided to go into the park and practice some of the songs for today. <laughs> and I sat on my guitar case, with, but with my feet kind of crossed in front of me on the ground and was just playing through the songs. And somebody came and sat and listened and I thought, oh, that's so nice. That nobody's um, nobody's listened, yeah, heard any music for so long and I'll just carry on playing. And I got up to go and I said, oh, that's so good. And, and the last song that I practiced was a song that we did call Bird Song, which has become the world to come. But it's birds are quite a strong sort of feature of it. And I looked down at my foot uh, my right foot is covered in just like the most improbable amount of bird shit. Like gloopy, <laughs> gloopy, like pigeon, London, like London sweaty, pigeon. sweaty pigeon poo. Just like, just, just like, just completely, like, just unbelievable amount of poo. And it was obviously, this, I was just sat right underneath their kind of roost. Everyone's know. a critic. Say. <laughs> And it was ironic that I was, I was singing, you know, singing this delicate sort of... Um, <laughs> the song really is about that moment in May where... Last May. April, the first, May, like the last first year, pandemic, when, yeah. when, do you remember, the, the temperatures started to soar and, and everything was getting quiet and we were, we were going into the eerie cedarwood, you know, of the pandemic and suddenly a bird song and, you know, all these natural wonders were sort mm. of... Representing themselves to us as we no planes, as we lost no traffic. Yeah, we could hear again. Technology shutting down and desperate for anchor anyway, points. So I was singing and... that song and then and then <laughs> as you know it was a it was a lovely kind of it was like you know in the sort of Zen Zen traditions where the master comes and beats you around the legs with a stick to make sure you're paying attention. It was a bit like that. <laughs> and it's Don't a, get it's, too it's, bloody it's, sentimental. Yeah, it's a reminder that you know nature's not exactly you know you, you shouldn't be too yeah. um, sentimental yeah. about it. On my way through the wood, wound a thread through the dream Night fall, foot fall, trembling, looking for cracks in the seam Tree tall, river call, tumbling branches brushing the beach Across the river, just out of reach We are sat in the wish in the wave of our willow away from the swish in the shade of our pillows conjuring conjuring waiting for the lick of the wind and the rising sun draws a kiss from the birds are there's a black bird perched in the branches of the silver birch growing from my chambered heart Singing through the rising dark Singing through the world
Can you hear with the ears of the owl and the otter listening, listening? An accordion plays as the day grows hotter, glistening, glistening. There's a wild wood starting its march as a kingfisher flashes over the march. Far out to sea, there's a strange kind of silence, cold cries, still sky. In the storm and a lull in the violent sunlight Fly by Breathing drops from fast to steady Time slows down till we're caught in its eddy There's a blackbird perched in the branches of the silver birch Growing from my chambered heart Singing through the rising dark Singing of the world to come Singing of the rising sun Singing of forgotten Yes, so good. That'll be oh. fun to do with an audience. Wow. <laughs> I just want to, I, I mean, I just want to describe the scene because, you know, people are listening to this, but we are standing in the middle of this beach avenue yeah. with the sunlight dappling down through the leaves. And Robert and Johnny are sitting side by side on this memorial bench with the guitar and the lyric book. And we have just heard the most astonishing performance. And I just, wanted to, I just wanted to reflect <laughs> on that and to hope that we are, through your headphones and through your speakers, <laughs> conveying how amazing it is to be here. Oh. It's just a, a privilege. Yeah, totally. Likewise. That, what yeah. a theatre, what a stage. Yeah. And the first line of this song, on my way through the wood, wound a thread through the dream. It just feels like, you know, we've, we've walked into the song. Mm. The song has walked into this place. Oh, that was just awesome, amazing. Johnny. That was fantastic. Awesome. Thank you. At, at the very end, if people listen to this on the album, you'll hear this smash and a crash comes at the very final seconds of that song, almost after as the chords are dying out. You know, we were in the kitchen and we were all, you know, hoe dining and stamping our feet. And then Johnny was like, just throw things around, just get the cutlery basket, get this, smash the pans, and you'll hear this big kind of crash as the cutlery basket goes down. We had to, yeah, everything's kind of improvised. We really just had, you know, what, what we had. Cosmo was day. whacking the tap. He was using yeah, the tap yeah. as percussion. Just percussion. And, uh, like the, the, the old lady and the lady, lady killers, he has to whack the tap for the hot water <laughs> together. Yes. Um, <laughs> 
there's a story behind the recording of uh, you know the Fairport version of um, that Dylan song. You know, if you've got to go, go now. It's see two doigts they sing in French. Their only chart hit. Yeah, so good. <laughs> Somebody playing a, a milk bottle. There's a milk bottle on top of a kind of stacked up bunch of percussion. You can hear it in the recording, but you hear the milk bottle fall and hit everything on the way down and then smash at the, at the bottom in a break. And it goes, ding, 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 like that. And it's right it's in time. time. It's in time. And then they go, it's a two And they, they pick it up right on cue. You can imagine them just going, and it's so good in the recording. Anyway, so I wanted a bit of that yeah. spirit. Yeah, I've, I can feel my, you know, I was talking about building my exoskeleton yeah. up again. I can sort of feel it coming back. Coming I'm like, back. oh yeah, yeah, I feel more like myself because this is the self that I knew before where, that was totally unafraid, to, well, not mostly unafraid to get get up and um, and uh, and do that. I wanted to pick up on something you mentioned earlier, Robert, which was that when we were in the worst of the lockdown, mm. There was some discussion among some people about whether we could learn mm. from the experience of having stopped the world, having pressed mm. pause, mm. and whether there might be a ground for optimism mm. as a result of, of taking that time out to think. And, you know, I noticed some bits of that coming through in some of the songs that you talked about. But mm. There's also some very dark imagery. Mm. I wonder if, if both of you have a, any sense of optimism about what, what might come from the future and from the experience that we've been through? Well, I was always very sceptical of, of pandemic utopianism and we heard a lot of it in the early days. Uh, and some of it was just pure mirage. It was pure miracle thinking, oh, the dolphins are back in the Venetian canals. Yeah. Uh, actually, that, was, that, that, was, that, that wasn't Venice. <laughs> there were no dolphins back. So, <laughs> and that, that for me became a motif of the, I think very understandable human urge to, to dream in a utopian way at a, at yeah. a time of, of I, dystopia. You could cynically also characterise it as our ability to congratulate ourselves very, very quickly. <laughs> or distract ourselves from <laughs> Look at from this, the we're reality. not flying aeroplanes anymore. Yeah. yeah, it's been called the anthropopause. I've written quite a lot about this, this idea of the Anthropocene, that we've had to confront ourselves as a terraforming species, our, our power to shape the planet. And, and the planetary future amplified by number and technology to the extent that we are leaving, we are leaving legacies that will be legible for millions of years to come. And those legacies don't look great at the moment. Their mass species extinction, their um, erosion, their radionuclides from nuclear tech and so on and so forth. And I don't think that the um, pandemic has broadly brought us to the necessary shock. And I think I see climate, the climate crisis as having it's been a terrible time for that. It set us back so long just when we needed to be um, pushing forwards on that. And we now see the, this bigger so you mean crisis. The, 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 the pandemic put a stop to the kind of protests and the kind of pressure that was being put on Ex for change. Exactly. And it's a distraction. As a plane goes overhead. As a, as a plane goes overhead. <laughs> and above all, it's, it pulled our sight lines down to one week, one month one year, it's, it's all about getting out of the cedarwood. It's all, yeah. and we're, we're so far from obviously being out of the cedarwood, but all the while the climate crisis was just intensifying according to its own laws. Uh, and so now there's this reconfiguration that this pivot back to the bigger, bigger problem, really, the one that's gonna kill many, many more millions of people. Sorry, Johnny, I'm just getting, I haven't given much cause for hope there. Can you? No, no, it's how I feel. I think, I think, 
I don't want to interrupt you. Well, I do want to interrupt you, actually. <laughs> because, sorry, because I just wanted to reflect on the fact that we're, we're stepping out into the, Roman, the Roman Road, road. Yeah. which is straight as an arrow in, in both directions. It's a, it's a fantastic example, isn't it? Yeah. And this crosses the Icknield Way. There's Freem Dyke and Devil's Dyke, which are these old Anglo-Saxon earthworks, which are effectively barriers to entry to East Anglia, so they could, they could tax travellers. Um, so you can walk back into the Neolithic along the Icknield Way. You can, if you, basically, if you turn left at the end of this, which is what I did, and then you follow the Icknield Way, which Edward Thomas walked in 19, uh, 1911, um, you, you, you get to the Ridgeway, and the Ridgeway takes you to, to Dorset. And you, know, you, you don't more or less step off this path. So you get to Dorset, and, um, and that takes back 5,000 5, years. Um, so I, I love this sense of the path, footpath network's incredible connectedness, that you can walk out of my door along a suburban road, through a hole in a hedge, into a modern field path, onto the Roman road, onto the Icknield Way. There's time travel as well as everything else. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Johnny, you were, you were saying about the community in, in Hackney. Well, no, there was, I feel like, one thing I noticed was that we naturally, on a sort of community level, we, it was encouraging to see people being good to one another mm. and looking out for each other. And the tiniest things becoming these beautiful, like these very moving kind of distractions or beacons of hope, you know, musical performance in a, in a square, in a tower block where everyone could come out. You know, I saw these, you know, videos coming out of Italy of things like that. And um, yeah. Because it sort of feels to, a bit transitory. It feels like it came and, and, and then it went again. Yeah, now there's this, there's this just a weariness now, isn't there? There's, um, we've been so sort of battered and bruised by it all. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't recognise, like, the humanity that I knew then to now. I don't feel the same way I did then. And I think we've all been, we've all been changed by it. I think there, there will be deep, you know, lessons to have been learned from it all but it's still evolving this bit of the journey and i don't know yeah but the work really that you're about it. the work that you're doing with robert is not just capturing a moment in time but offering us some stories and some imagery that can open our minds to some of these issues yeah we want to make it relevant to people and to kind of ask these questions through our experience through translating them into song to kind of resonate with people and connect people and make this moment not a moment outside of themselves that was too yeah. painful to acknowledge but just something that we're all bound in together and using this ancient story to kind of find those resonances through times when the dark times in the past as well mm -hmm. and we always said that we hoped that we would make music that you, you didn't need to have read or heard of the epic of gilgamesh mm. you didn't even need to know that they were written in a pandemic year that they, um, I mean, in a sense that makes, that's inevitable because they, the oldest story and, 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 and then we've lived through allegory, myth, archetype, uh, we've thought ourselves exceptional. This is the first, you know, the first of the great plagues. No, no it isn't, far from it. And in fact, you know, indigenous peoples have seen, seen their ho whole communities wiped out by imported viruses and, and, and other diseases that, you know, we, so I, I, I hope that the songs live a, a, a life free of, but resonating with both Gilgamesh and, and, and the present, the now. Are yeah. you a musician, Monke, Robert? I mean, do you wish that you had learned an, an instrument or that you could sing and perform? Yeah, yeah. I was, well, uh, I spend so much time with musicians now. The Spell Songs musicians, of course, and they make music arising from my words and it brings me more joy than I could possibly say, Johnny. 
and I work together and hopefully we'll you know carry on working and writing together for a while and um, it's just magic to me and all, all I really want to do at the moment is write songs for and with incredible musicians. I mean Merlin bought me a a set of the bones like, like, so if yes, you can't Cosmo, play anything Cosmo played the bones for us yeah Cosmo yep. plays them really well Merlin plays them really well and yeah. I think it's a sign that like I really want to get good enough on the bones that I can <laughs> accompany Johnny so you could be on the next album well I am on this one very distantly um, uh, with as a, ba as a backing singer and a, and a kind of hollerer uh, of um, to rhyme with cholera of, uh, of this this choral line the sort of shout haul away in this amazing song Home and Dry that Johnny his his, uh, Johnny wrote. his presence is is audible and uh, uh, not just audible <laughs> tangible throughout the as in yeah I be listening to it I'm right in that room where we were yeah. and you're there yeah. and Merlin's there I'm I'm tempted floor. to ask you to sing it. Uh, Johnny, just to see whether Robert would join in. That, that well, it, 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 is that possible, we, or is it too complicated we, a song to do on the we can, guitar? We can, no, we do can we do have it. Think about we'll stepping in there. Should we scramble into the field? Can we get this through that. It's going to be a bit thorny. We got stuck in worse thickets before, Johnny. This is a bit. I look yeah, that is that is narrow. The colour of this is. Look at these um, bees and the thistles. Oh yeah, they're just. Face down Getting in heaven, aren't they? Oh, I'll roll with the waves till the numbness, and oh, the sea calls. Your voice is my compass. I'm pulled out by the swell. Put your ear to the shell. I'm singing. I can. You can listen to my ocean song. I'm singing through the roughest storm. Oh, when the winds are whipping at the beak, are licking at the key, oh, we can feel a mustering squall. I wish that I could fly so I could be home and dry. Oh, I wish that I could fly so I could be home and dry and haul away. Look for a change here, question my reasons Now look and I'm leaving Cause things are worth achieving There's nets to be shot, son Oh, I'm wet with the flood, son Oh, and the winds are whipping at the big cup, licking at the key. Oh, we can feel a mustering squall. I wish that I could fly so I could be home and dry. Oh, I wish that I could fly so I could be home and dry and haul away. Sunsets bright as a furnace But I'm not sure quite when my turn is I'm searching for a landmark Gazing out through the dark I need your reminding That the lighthouse is shining Oh, and the winds are whipping at the beak 
cock licking at the key. Oh, we could feel a mustard skull. I wish that I could fly so I could be home and dry. Oh, I wish that I could fly so I could be home and dry and haul away. <laughs> Didn't know if I was gonna do it. I didn't know. I didn't know if I went. If I do what we do on the recording and go twice through it, I, I'd leave. I thought you'd, leave, you'd me. leave you hanging. And I was like, oh, I've got to do. It. Up until the last second, I wasn't going to do it. And I, was like, oh, I no, didn't know if we were going to do a soft haul away at the I end know. or just end haul away. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is. I think that is our first uh, film duet, Johnny. And, uh, many people were long for it to first be the last. Many. But, first yeah, many. No, first oh, of many. First of many. So do you want to do another song straight away and then we while we're set up and then we yeah yeah let's do, we just do a closing yeah let's you okay do for it yeah yeah, yeah energy all right the sun really it's like, really quite hot isn't it? up, no 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 it. it's good it's it's fine okay? it's nice so let's just do it all right. right should i just intro it a bit or yeah so yeah oh wow yeah. that's a buzzard creeching away yeah Kew, kew. But it's a very much a buzzard's wood. I, like, I hear them there so so often. Um, so this uh, yeah, this song ends the album. It's it's just called Ferryman on the album. Um, oh, I love the fact we've got buzzard. This is so perfect for this. God, I hope that is a buzzard, or else the the birders are going to be all over me. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure it is. Um, God, it's really it's really like eerie song. Um, I I this was one song that I wrote almost all the words for, and I wrote them in a basically in an evening and it, it was early in so like summer oh well sort of may time and someone very close to me was very having a very very hard time of it i was feeling desperate and sad and when i wrote this song and i just remember getting the first two lines ferryman ferryman carry my memory on and then and then thinking it was it was it was going to work and so you sent me a message. In fact, I was here. I was at Wandlebury mm -hmm, when wow. I when I spoke to you on the phone about this song, and you sent me the. You said I've got this lovely melody for it, and um, and then I, I listened to some of the demos. I think just sort of standing in the car park here, and I just felt this. I mean, this is the song that stops me, and I, I know lots of other people have started to respond to it very powerfully as well. But it's, it's sort of unlike any other on the album, isn't it? And it just, yeah, it was. In the same way that Ten Degrees of Strange felt like it needed to be the the canon launch is the the record. This was like almost always going to be the closing song, and it's the last in episodically in the story, mm. isn't it? Mm. Of, of yeah, because he he wants to sail out to the island of Immort the island the Isle of Immortality. So there's a sort of you don't hear any of that in the song. I mean, it's just anyway. We'll let the song do its work, shall we? It's probably best. <laughs> Ferryman, ferryman, carry my memory on Out to the island on the horizon Following path to the sun Following the path to the sun Over the sandbar, oh, 
star steady between mast and spar creak of the oars and turn the hours keeping watch for the powers watch for the whale's breath watch for the moon's death down in the waters of day ferryman ferryman carry my memory on out to the island on the horizon following path of the sun following the path of the sun for the stone ones are broken my sadness is woken zero is mistaken so stung by the And with arms made of granite through a blaze of gannets, we roll off this planet. Ferryman, ferryman, carry my memory on out to the island. On the horizon, following path to the sun, following path to the sun, Carry my memory on out to the island on the horizon, following the path to the sun, following the path to the sun. song mm. so beautiful and sad and um, so mm. I can officially confirm that it is a privilege a fascinating moving enlightening experience to go for a walk with both of you and I'd like oh. to say thank you very much for sharing your songs and your stories with us today on Folk on Foot thank you thank you, oh, thank you thank very you, much Matthew. Really really you may have a tear or two in your eye as well it's been a very very moving experience <laughs> oh. and we're standing here in a golden cornfield, listening to the song 
and uh, I think it's just a perfect way to end and to leave the song to speak for itself. Johnny Flynn and Robert McFarlane. And thanks very much to Cambridge past, present and future who look after the Wandlebury Country Park and keep it safe for future generations. If you enjoyed this episode, please think about becoming a patron of Folk on Foot. We've filmed the songs that Johnny sang today and we're adding them to our amazing Folk on Foot on Film archive of more than 100 performances recorded all over the UK during our travels. Uh, if you want to see that, all you have to do is become a Folk on Foot hero. Go to folkonfoot.com and click on the Support Us button and it's very easy to sign up. And there are other episodes that you might enjoy. There's a walk with Johnny Flynn on the Hackney Marshes and with Cosmo Sheldrake in Bolsbury Wood. So just look back through our back catalogue and you'll find plenty to keep you occupied. We rely entirely on support from our listeners to keep going, so please do try to make a donation if you can. <laughs>